A1 Good Investing is not qualified to give financial advice. No part of this episode should be taken as advice. The content of A1 Good Investing is information and opinions. Information, including financial data and derived figures, may be inaccurate. Hello and welcome to the A1 Good Investing channel. A1 Good Investing is just the idea that we can all contribute to the direction that society is going in by investing in what we think is valuable. So on this channel, I just exhibit my personal approach to investing. I talk about individual companies and what I think is most important about them. And I try to use sound fundamental reasoning and simple valuation methods. Uh, today is the 19th of February, 2022. Um, you can listen to this on Google Podcasts or Spotify. And today I'm going to be talking about a company that I own called Success Transformer. We'll talk about the industry, their management, quality of earnings, capital allocation, and valuation. All right, so Success Transformer is a 173 million ringgit company. So they're quite a small company, and they're pretty high risk, not just because of their size, but because of a few other factors. They're a manufacturer of generic electrical components, like transformers that are used in pretty much every electrical circuit. And they also make LED lights, both for big, um, big projects, big infrastructure projects and large industrial settings, as well as uh, the consumer lights that we would buy for our homes and gardens. Um, they focus on kind of that, that Internet of Things style with their lighting. So they're highly connected, controlled by software or, or automated and, and really integrated into that new uh, Internet of Things style. And that, that really is the growth focus for their company. But in the past, they've shifted around a little bit. Uh, some of the things are a little bit unclear about their strategy They've done a few different things in the past, but they have a very interesting aesthetic. And I think I'll explain a little bit more what I mean by that down the track, but they just appear like a very inspired company. If you read their uh, annual report, it's full of all these beautiful illustrations and, and very poetic language. So while it's a little bit messy and disorganized at times, I feel like they, they really set themselves apart by striving for something uh, a little bit different, which is eye-catching and kind of unique on Bursa Malaysia in a way. So let's talk about the industry in which they operate. Firstly, they make those electrical transformers and other components. Uh, electric, a transformer, what it does is it basically transforms electrical current uh, from either AC to DC or it can, that and other components can transform the, uh, the voltage of the current and just make, make the current different. Um, in a different way so this happens at different levels of the the energy um the energy line so from the power station it'll be transformed as it goes into the power lines and then again at different uh levels of the power in the grid and then and before it reaches our home circuit and then there can be another transformation that occurs between our home pl plug in the wall and the individual appliance or machinery in an industrial setting or data center uh, increasingly. Um, as such, the demand for these transformers is growing as the world becomes more electrified and we have more electrical circuits, but also as we shift from older style, like we're, as we're more energy and power conscious, older things are getting replaced more often 
even if they're not worn out, it can be better to use a new style of transformer rather than stick with an old one just to get emissions down. Uh, in terms of margins, the while there's different types of transformers, you can have just the most simple generic components and then there can be more sophisticated ones like the one in the image where it's kind of more of a piece of equipment that's contained in a, in a casing with a few different switches on it. Um, the they're pretty generic and replicable products. So they tend to generate quite slim margins just because they're, they're, they're the most, in terms of the value of the product, being low cost is essential just because they're used, um, they're, they're generic and they're, they're used in so many different settings. So people have to buy a lot of them. Cost is very important. Uh, the next thing is their reliability. So having very low fail rates. Um, whatever failure rate per thousand products needs to be as low as possible and then cost efficiency for the user in terms of energy um, and and carbon emissions that's the third most important thing in terms of LED lights uh, I think STC are mostly concerned with the large outdoor street lights or large indoor industrial street uh, industrial lights um, and the demand similar to transformers it's a combination of new developments and new new areas that are being lit up and replacing lights in old settings uh, as as they as with transformers they're valued for being low cost power efficient and having very low fail rates but there's another element that customers value of uh, having good technology good software control uh, and nice aesthetics because they're a, uh, they're a product that people can see. So especially in a city street, you want them to look good as well. So this this kind of differentiation means there's more room for higher margins if it's done well, as well as that additional uh, technology that can be integrated into it. If you've got the presentation, this this light here has a surveillance camera in it, which which is a level of creativity and innovation that can demand a higher margin if the product is created well. And yeah, they, they come together to form far more of a brand. So when we go down again to the consumer household products, that brand is even more important. Uh, sorry, another aspect of the large-scale lighting is that they're installed as a service and maintained as a service. So that, that, that relationship with the customer just in terms of margins you can have a little bit more value creation by serving the customer well and having an ongoing relationship um, but obviously the household consumer products do not have that that variety that uh, sorry that aspect to them but what they do have is far more of that brand aspect so just far more design sensitive to how they look aesthetically in the design as well as the software or whatever it is that controls the product has to be a lot more um, I guess simple but also well built and good and easy to use and, and intuitive so it's it's more of a differentiate, differentiated product in that way. Demand for both is predicted to increase especially in that mid-spectrum where you're getting much higher levels of technology than what we had 10 or 20 years ago at not much more of a price. So yeah while I guess the most generic forms of transformers aren't expected to grow any faster than inflation in terms of demand. That mid-range product that's high-tech and low-cost is expected to grow. Uh, some some sources saying double-digit growth, double-digit CAGR over the next decade, but at least some level of growth.
Um, a little bit more about Success Transformer, the company. So it, I found it difficult to piece together their story. They have two different websites where the information about them is presented consistently. They, there's, there's consistency, but there's kind of omissions and there's no single comprehensive history that I could find on the company. They don't really define their, their segments either, so they report all their earnings under one segment, which has made it difficult. But basically they began in manufacturing and trading of electrical components, and this was back in 1978. So they're quite an old and well-established company in those transformers, and that was under the current managing director, who's the founder, Mr. Tan Arbar. Over the years, they developed more technology, more advanced products, um, part of this was them going into creating metal casings for the products. As we saw before, the transformer is encased like, like a computer desktop or something. So they're making that aluminium casing um, and that subsidiary is, is existent to this day. And that's also used in lighting when they're encasing the lights. Um, and they developed manufacture of other components like voltage stabilizers, detuned harmonic circuit filter reactors, um, battery charges and battery tested, but, but basically just using their capabilities to make more and more different products. Um, and somewhere along the way, they started doing LEDs. Uh, they listed as a public company in 2005. And then in 2007, they were doing very well and they decided to go into process equipment. And what process equipment is, it's... Um, large steel structures like big platforms and big big liquid tanks or gas tanks and and pipe systems and all these big steel metal things that are used in various heavy industries and they made a pretty large investment to enter this now three years later in 2010 that led focus came into its own so they developed the ilcs which is the intelligent light control system which is basically an internet of things style lighting control system used in um, street lights and stuff like that. And all those LEDs have been the major focus since 2010, I suppose. Uh, however, in 2017, so 10 years after they started in that process equipment, they began to pull out. So as this segment has fallen away over the last five years, revenue has fallen um, significantly and it looks pretty ugly from at first glance when you're looking at the company. As we know, since after they kind of started the disposable of that of that segment, COVID struck, and the business was uh, it's not an essential business. So under the Malaysian movement control orders, they were ordered to stop manufacturing products, and so they really were not able to operate at capacity um, for the and and to operate as a company in their greatest capacity. You haven't been able to, to see that in the reports because of the muddying from the process equipment segment. We don't really have a good view for the last five years since 2017. Hopefully, once the dust clears, we, we can have a better picture of it. Um, and I think maybe we'll see that, that those those existing segments are quite good. But the their, the volume that they sell, again, it's reported on the whole, they sell... Eight, they have 850 individual stores that are mostly third-party stores that resell their products. As you can imagine, these transformers are bought at sort of electrical component stores and the, the lights are sold at 
just general lighting stores, and they are shipped to 40 different countries. But most of their sales occur in Malaysia. So that's their story. Now we'll talk about their management. So just looking at the individuals a little bit in the in the board and the key management. Um, Mr. Tan Arba, the founder, he remains the managing director and he's involved in the management of subsidiaries within the group. It's another Malaysian family business. There's a lot of family businesses. I think that's quite common at this stage of development. But one of his daughters is the deputy managing director. The, the, that person's spouse is um, the technical lighting and sales director on the board and, and another daughter is an executive director. And then the third daughter is in the key management as the cost controller. The daughters were all educated in Australia. Um, they went to Murdoch, Curtin and Deakin. Um, and they're, uh, they, they're, they're, aged, they're a bit younger and they kind of mean that the whole group, the, the management group are an, are younger, most of them between 40 and 50 years old. So while, while communication and their presentations are a little bit messy at times, they do have a very youthful spirit in their presentations and it, it sets them apart from, from some of the more rigid Malaysian businesses. And I guess you can look at this in two ways. You can say it means, you know, there's a lack of discipline or a lack of seriousness at the business. But on the other hand, you can say like it's an expression of self-confidence and autonomy and creativity and all those lovely things that lead to innovation and ingenuity. And they're, they're really the things that you're looking at to separate companies and, and find the good ones. So, yeah, you could look at it both ways. Ideally, you would have rigorous reporting and uh, creativity and ingenuity, but all right, they also have a new independent chairman who signed on only in the past year. He's quite quite a very long, um, successful career as a, as a civil engineer across infrastructure and energy in Malaysia. There's a guy in their key management who is an electrical engineer, and he's from a company called Suimoto, and they're the, uh, Su, Sumito, Sumitomo. And they're a massive global business. I think they're Japanese, but they're a very big, well-respected industrial global business. But apart from those two, the key management are basically one of the daughters, Miss Tan Chung Chia, and the spouse of the deputy MD. So the spouse of another of the daughters. Then finally, there's a finance controller who is quite young and has a pretty unremarkable career. So. The composition of the board and the key management is quite risky, I would say, just because they're all either linked to the family or have a lack of recognisable experience with the exception of their new independent chairman. All right, despite, the, despite this, alignment to the company is very strong. So obviously they've got those family ties and their shareholding is quite strong, um, representing... Uh, about 26 million Australian dollars worth of investment in the company through the, through the family. And then one other director has a sum of shares worth about a million ringgit or um, uh, about 300 grand Australian. And the other directors aren't, aren't as heavily in line through shareholding. Uh, remuneration, it's not transparently reported. So they just have 
the how much executives paid and non-executives uh executives and especially the family i think they're paid quite high so the the average was over one and a half million ringgit per year per executive um, and the non-executives received quite a small sum but that's that's to do with how much effort they're putting into the company and stuff as well so it's not directly indicative of of them being paid too much as a family all right let's talk about management's strategy which is obviously more important more important than just talking about the people um so there's been a few shifts in strategy throughout the life of the business most recently they've had that foray into process equipment which we talked about um at this stage they do seem focused on the lighting business that's where most of their marketing is and the maintenance of that transformer segment uh they've really shifted into that internet of things high-tech style of lighting with the advanced features um and they're mostly sold through third-party distributors um in terms of their household lights and the um big big projects are sold obviously directly to developers or directly to whatever local council that's doing the the upgrades and they try and sell as much as possible directly to the consumer they do this in their consumer lighting uh basically through facebook shopee lazada gen just other e-commerce platforms the online store which is pretty much the face of the company i guess that's quite tidy it's a little bit disjointed i mean that you can get anything from a a a five dollar home little light to a four to a four and a half ton uh industrial transformer on that on that website but it's it's a good website it's not like their corporate website which is a little bit too messy um so yes the they also sell on the online store they sell things like blue like in this picture you can see this car it looks like a it's a wooden toy motor car but it's actually a bluetooth speaker so they sell other products that aren't led lights but are high end consumer um household products as well they sell those through their online store and facebook and stuff uh i also just said that that that's quite new and i think that was a shift that they talked about in their in their presentation as we're going into this whizbang new segment and it's obviously to capitalize on the consumer trends that have came out during covid of people buying more stuff for their homes i think they might have been a little bit late on that we'll have to see what the results are if we can but that we haven't seen what's happened with that segment just yet and yeah so that the large scale lighting so the installations and stuff that seems to be the larger part of the business in this area like global expansion i suppose and just expansion within malaysia into the less developed areas is the key strategy obviously uh, they sell in over 40 countries including those in europe africa and southeast asia and all that that strategy is all focused on the benefits that it can provide to people living in that area so increase safety and and reduce power consumption and and um a nice living space they market all of that to to those potential developer customers in terms of uh transformers the the strategy for that going forward is basically just maintaining their 
their competitive edge that they say they have a competitive competitive cost edge, which may make sense. They've been making them for since 1978. They want to maintain that, and they basically want to ride the demand trends that are expected to occur with what that what what is called industrial 4.0. Industrial 4.0 is basically just the uh, very power conscious industrialization with far more automated and intelligent um, pieces of equipment and machinery and those as well as data centers and stuff you need very robust power control and transformers and stuff to protect the assets um, and to have the assets operating at maximum efficiency with a steady power supply uh, so yeah overall that strategy is a little bit unclear um, going forward we just can't see okay we'll talk about the quality of earnings but the first thing in the earnings is we just can't see individually what each segment is producing they report everything under the same heading so this immediately just puts them in a very high risk their earnings are kind of inherently going to be low quality and high risk because of this because we don't know what they're selling and what the margins are on their on their segments they they do um, break stuff down geographically. So about 55% of their stuff sold in Malaysia and 14% in China with 31% sold in other countries. They've got subsidiaries in Kenya, Singapore and Thailand as well as Indonesia and China. Um, but yeah, that's the extent of their geographical breakdown. Revenue on the whole, if you can see the presentation, has been declining for the past five years really with the disposal of that process equipment segment. They had a good year last year, but given that that process equipment segment wasn't, um, in, wasn't the best segment, it wasn't too profitable, in theory their profits should have been increasing in this time, but they have had headwinds from COVID and, and other tough tough economic environment that that have made profit perhaps a little bit lower. So I think the result of this has really been that kind of steady, if not a little bit choppy profit, but they have been making positive returns all throughout this disruption, which could indicate that those segments are strong or it could um, indicate that they're operating maybe they they just sell transformers on slim margins and don't really sell much of anything else we can't tell um so yeah the net profit has been between 8 million and 22 million in the past uh 5 years with pretty in um pretty inconsistent delivery of that profit represents a net margin between 2% and 8.5% Revenue was strong the past year, as I said, um, which indicates kind of growth in the current operating se segments that they've got left over. But yeah, they're not separated out. If you accept the fact that they have had headwinds and they've, they've, they've had trouble with the disposal of that other segment, then they look okay based on the current picture, especially since in that year before all these disruptions, they did very well. They had a 15% return on invested capital, I think. Um, and that they're kind of returns to, to a, a level of normalization and they've had a good last year. Um, we'll just discuss the quality of each individual segment a little bit. 
So the transformers and the components, as I said, that's their oldest segment and it's their most reliable segment. It delivers the, their generic component, obviously, so they deliver very slim margins, but they do sell very high, high volumes, uh, very low fail rates, good price, good functionality. You, you can buy them through Shopee and Lazada, although they don't make very many sales, but every sale has a five-star rating on, on, in that setting. Most of their sales occur through those distributors, of, of which there are very many um, who sell those QPS products, which is the brand QPS. Um, they, they, these earnings in that segment, are they're probably subject to global demand trends, so that's bad if global demand's not good but it's good in terms of what we expect to be occurring with industrial 4.0 and increasing development in general that has happened for the last 30 years and should continue. All right. They, they have a subsidiary in Kenya. So that's interesting. I don't know how active it is, but selling LEDs of, well, selling transformers for that for greater industrialization in Kenya would be interesting as well as LEDs. But yeah, they're just a very commonly purchased component. Uh, the we another weakness is that the competition is fierce. Like they're they're very re replicable, and yes, they they do have subsidiary in China where they're probably getting the lowest cost creation of of some of their products. But if someone's making some products that are just as good at a lower price because they have cheaper labor. There's not too much that Success Transformer will be able to do about that. And they also, I guess, these Transformers are potentially susceptible to disruption by some new innovation uh, just because the worldwide power consumption and grids and all the stuff around energy is a very high focus of uh, research. And so... I don't know of any viable alternatives to, to the transformers that they sell that can be bought at a, at a reasonable price, but there is a potential for some, maybe a new ceramic compound or some other thing comes out. Sorry, I don't know that I shouldn't say ceramic compound, but something could come out that is better and is a better product just because of how much uh, research there's going into it. All right, uh, for large scale lighting, Obviously, this product is a little bit more differentiable and has potentially higher margin than the Transformer products, both in terms of the quality of the hardware. So if you're a developer, you want really high quality hardware that's not going to get, not going to break and and um, delivers good power consumption and all that, but also things that look good and they're easily controlled and they, they work well, um, as well as in these big projects, that service as aspect where they're managing the lighting with an ongoing relationship with the customer, a bit of a land and expand strategy. Um, and so, yeah, if they if you've got a good relationship with the customer, you can demand a premium based on the fact that they trust you over time. Most recently, this is very promising. If you look on YouTube and you search in ILCS Johor Baru, you can see a video that they've released that that outlines what they've done in JB recently. And it's basically just a big lighting project in some major streets, but it's very professional and it speaks to a, a very high level of product that they're delivering and having a relationship with the, the JB, um, the, the, the people that are carrying that development out 
it speaks to a level of quality in their ability to, to, to de deliver projects, which could be replicated in many more places in Malaysia and uh, overseas. I guess from personal experience, I know that like some businesses can be very messy, like STC seem to be based on their corporate presentations and in the fact that they're not very transparent, but there can be a very strong underlying business. It doesn't rule it out. It just increases the risk that this is so. Uh, for consumer lighting, so that and I guess the other things like that, that funny Bluetooth speaker, obviously there's the highest margin, most differentiated products. They market them through, through Facebook where they have uh, 1,500 likes on Facebook. They reach, they have an adequate engagement. Everything they post gets engagement of some sort. Everything they sell seems to be discounted. So I don't know if that means that they're, they're struggling to move inventory or if that's just every online website as it seems to be. Probably just a common sales tactic. Um, but yeah, the products themselves look pretty good to my eye. They're obviously made by STC are obviously very technologically equipped to make good LED products. Um, and, oh, sorry, all, the, all their products get five stars, I was going to say. just it, They sell them as well through Shopee and Lazada, um, and those they get maybe 100 sales a month of a few, few different products that you can see, and all their products have five-star ratings, which is great to see. But I think with lighting, most of those sales are occurring in distributor stores. So when you want to buy new lights for your house, you're actually just going to go into the store most of the time and have a look at, at the different aspects and how it interacts with it, with its environment and how the product looks. Another strength of these, um, all their earnings really, is that they own a lot of the associated manufacturing. So they have that metal casing or metal stamping subsidiary, Omega, and they own 40% of a Chinese subsidiary that makes the decorative elements, decorative materials, the molded glass, the molded plastic, and the aluminium casing for the larger industrial lights. So this just indicates then that they are they have a good amount of control over what they're getting. They're not just buying um, a fitting or something from somewhere else and popping their LEDs in there. They're in control of the entire manufacturing design process, which is great. So yeah, putting putting all this together, I guess, apart from the fact that those earnings are very poorly reported, they look okay to me. My favorite thing about them is that while you wouldn't think it, their earnings are very, very diverse. They have a solid base of the sales of their generic components. Plus, they have a different set of customers through their their successful developer relationships that they've had with the big installations. And finally, they've got lots and lots of little consumer products like you and me and and in other different countries where they're selling Nikon lights. They've got lots of different consumer products. Even They've got a store in Seven Hills, New South Wales, and they've got stores in Thailand, Singapore, but mostly Malaysia. But yeah, there's there's an avenue for growth in all their segments, although that consumer lighting is very high risk. Their transformers appear very unlikely to, to provide high margins, but they're very, very low risk. And then the other variety of lighting, which is the big projects, is somewhere in between. Like There's a level of maybe lower margins, but lower risk as well. It's somewhere in the middle. And having diversity in risk profiles of your products is very, very 
uh, important and it just means that they're exposed to maybe a little bit of growth but they've also got some underlying safety in a lot of their sales and yeah the fact that they control a lot of the manufacturing some of their manufacturing is in China so 15% of their total asset value is located in China so a little bit of risk there but it also indicates that they're probably getting the best value for money manufacturing done wherever they can and having good relation business relationships in China can't hurt um, across the board it's it's good all right let's talk about capital allocation so I've got the total common shares outstanding and the buyback on the screen the buyback yield but we'll start with the fact that STC have a very strong balance sheet so their total cash and short-term investments uh, last quarter that was 111 million ringgit versus a total liabilities of 27 million ringgit so just straight off the bat very strong balance sheet they have significant investment uh, in properties and a lot of their cash is in um, the money market which is because they're a global company the money market's basically just for uh, currency exchange um, but yeah most most of their their, their balance sheet is very strong and their assets are quite quite good and reliable. They invest most of their capital allocation into expanding or upgrading core capacity. It the, the yearly contributions being between five and ten million in the last few years versus the net profit between ten and twenty million. So about half of that's going into um, expansion and upgrades. They do different things every year. So in twenty twenty it was plant and machinery. 2021 it was more shop front uh, shop lots um, and into their factory as well as a lot of office equipment but it's safe to say that they're just increasing their core capacities year on year across the board uh, R&D is also a significant allocation at between five and six million ringgit per year although it's more of an operating cost they're still essential um, they're still something that they choose to invest their capital in year on year uh, new lines of business They've had varying results, obviously. I think you can say they were very successful when they shifted into lighting or focused on lighting because they were making the LEDs and then they shifted their focus onto that with the ILCS. But on the other hand, their shift into processing equipment, I'd love to hear more about that, but on paper it looks like an abject failure. The most recent, recent shift towards those non-lighting other electrical home appliances like the Bluetooth speaker We'll have to wait and see how that goes. I guess you've got a 50-50 chance based on their history. Uh, it's unclear how much they're spending on this, like how much are they investing into this new segment or, or how successful their previous, their home lighting segment is versus their installation and stuff. But anyway, the dividends that are paid by STC are moderate, so they're between 1% and 3% uh, yearly yield. But buybacks have been used to good effect. So most of their buyback, they do ongoing buybacks, but that's mostly cancelling out um, their their employee share fund. They, they give out a few hundred ringgit worth of shares to employees each year, and they buy back to cancel that out and keep the share count relatively stable. Um, it's not entirely stable, but it's been brought back to the same level as it was. It's a little bit, it, it went up and it went down. But anyway, um, they made a very significant buyback in March of 2020. So that was 
that yielded shareholders 12.5%. And that's that was just, I think, they decided that that was the best use of their capital at that time and they got a really good return on it. So that's that's an excellent use of capital and I really like that buyback that they did. Uh, over the last five years, their capital allocation has resulted in an annual ROIC of between 2 and 5%. So quite poor, not even really keeping up with inflation. Uh, in the year before, however, in the year before their disposal of their, of their process equipment, they earned 15% or just under. So if we're expecting them to revert to how they were before all this disruption, then maybe they do make 15% on what they currently do and that would be very promising for the share price. Um, but yeah, you, you have to believe that their recent poor performance is because of those external factors rather than internal poor, poor decisions and poor business practice. All right, let's talk about valuation. When, when we add up, in terms of their underlying assets, when we're valuing the company, we look at how much stuff is in the business versus the market cap. So their um, receivables and inventories, I just discount them by 40%. Um, I take into account their investment product, uh, investment properties, their cash and short-term investments, minus total liabilities. You come up with a value of 166 million ringgit, which is just under the total market cap. So they have a pretty good underlying asset backing. Although if they are on that more, if they're, because of what they, how they present themselves in the report, you could, you could think that maybe they're not going to be sensible with what they do going forward. If you were to make a judgment based on the messiness and the disorganization and the poor transparency. So they could fritter all of that underlying asset value away. But on the other hand, in the spirit of, of their youthful spirit of confidence and exuberance and creativity and autonomy, perhaps they can do a lot more with those assets than, than just even yeah, than to just deliver their, their value. The current PE is 10. It's been 10 in the past. However, there was a period where it was like 30 or 40. They were like a mar like the market loved them for a little while and then it didn't. Um, I don't think too much changed in Malaysian. The Bursa, Bursa Malaysia can be funny like that. But yeah, right now the PE is 10. And I guess they're priced as a company that's delivering single single digit margins with a generic product. Uh, I'll, I'll bet with strong under, underlying assets. It's pretty much the most you would expect for um, a, a generic product maker, a commodity maker or or a slim margin company that's quite reliable. Now, obviously, if they if they deliver premium margins, which they can in the lighting segment through their land and expand their services, their creativity, their their innovative products, there's lots of ways they can deliver a premium margin. If they deliver that and they reach the fifteen percent that they were delivering prior to the disruption, then I guess you would at least expect a multiple of twenty if not more, um, you, you would just expect the share price to go up substantially. And that's all I look at. It's simple valuation method. So it's just this product, this, this company should probably be worth a lot more. I don't really go any further than that. And I, 
I don't think you really need to go much further than that if you're well diversified. But yeah, there, there's also really good tailwinds in the global exposure to, to they've got exposure to both developing and developed economies, different risk profiles in their earnings. I guess we can't know how exposed they are to each of those risk profiles because we don't know the breakdown of their earnings. Um, I had a note here like, there's a saying that there's never only one cockroach in the kitchen and you could look at it like this and say, hey, like if there's one thing that's a problem, there probably is lots and lots of problems throughout the entire company. But my question is, is this really a cockroach? Like I think that that is more of something that's nefarious and sneaky and hidden um, and due to malintent rather than it just being a lack of rigor. So it it's a very obvious thing that they are not transparent with their earnings and I don't know if this represents like a, something that would be replicated across the business and there'd be lots and lots of issues but I would definitely say that, that, that that's the main reason that they're a very, very high risk investment in my opinion. They're, one of the, they're pretty much the highest risk investment I have in Malaysia. But yeah, I do like, I like their chance of outperforming just based on they have good underlying assets, good capital allocation. I love seeing a good buyback that delivers results. They have cool products. There's that unique aspect to them that can just help hype the company as well. I think that's maybe why they had such a high multiple for a while there. But it is somewhat rare in the Malaysian exchange. And I guess in, in investing in Malaysia, I just want to, be exposed to different types of companies and and I found this company to be very to be unique and it caught my eye um, on my on the aspect of Malaysian economic growth which is a central theme to my investing in Malaysia I think that um, when you look at that video I urge you to do so the one uh, if you the ILCS Johor Bahru one on YouTube the the transformation that they have carried out in the regions where they in the in the streets where they did that project that's what i'm talking about when it when you talk about economic development the street lights that make the area nicer and make yeah that make it nicer and safer and and more energy efficient and all that that's just direct and th those things are paid for by by governments who are putting money into infrastructure and trying to develop areas that way so yeah, it's just a really direct example of that economic growth that I want it, that I hope to see in Malaysia over the next ten or twenty years. It could be twenty years, you never know. Um, and yeah, that could easily be replicated both in Malaysia and and abroad. Uh, and also, it goes the other way a little bit. So they are one of the companies that are selling overseas and bringing money into Malaysia by by selling good products like their lights are as good as they get I think and so by creating those products that are both innovative and creative and, and unique in a way but also do demand quite like the, the low cost manufacturing because a street light you need 300 of them or transformers you need you know whatever a large number of them that that middle ground between low cost and creative that that's what i see here and that's why i really like them and yeah them bring that's one of the things that can be strong in in a malaysian company rather than an australian company where you're never going to get that the lowest price the lowest cost producer of anything in australia or the us anyway another thing that i'll add 
is that STC is held by Fidelity's North Star Fund. And the North Star Fund is basically best companies globally. So they only own 0.7% of Success Transformer in that fund, represents about 3 million US dollars. But it's 7% of the entire company, and I don't know if they can uh, they can own much more than that. I think that might be a limit that they have. You can't own more than a small percentage of an individual company. Um, so, yeah, I guess that speaks to a certain level of quality. Like, if the fund manager has done the research that they should have done to include it in the fund, then they've definitely passed some sort of scrutiny by professionals by like fidelity portfolio managers so yeah that's about all i know about success transformer as always please let me know what i got wrong there will be lots of things that i got wrong uh you can listen to this podcast or this this episode um on google podcasts and on spotify you can read the report at a1goodinvesting.wordpress.com and apart from that thanks for listening we'll be back probably next week with another small Malaysian company. Mm-hmm.